five things to remember to keep your better health. Five things to remember to keep your better health. Be cheerful, be helpful, don't hurt nobody else. Stop eating lousy food and spend your money well. There is no doubt that the Mediterranean diet is one of the healthiest diets in the world. It's been shown to decrease risk of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. But recently, it's also been shown to have positive benefits for memory, Alzheimer's, and dementia. Today, we'll be speaking with Dr. Artemis Morris, a naturopathic physician, acupuncturist, and lecturer who specializes in the Mediterranean diet. Her family comes from the Mediterranean island of Crete, and as part of her research, Dr. Morris interviewed her great-aunt when she was 103 years old. What is the real traditional Mediterranean diet? Today, we find out. Hey, it's Bill Bradley, Registered Dietitian. I'm here in Studio 6 with our tech guru and good friend, Jerry LeBlanc. Hey, Bill. What's up? Well, today we're going to be uh, talking with Dr. Artemis Morris, and I'm very excited about this interview um, we cut it up into uh, a series of interviews because there's so much information in it. And today we're going to be talking with her about her aunt. Yeah, some amazing stories. Yeah. She just recently, her aunt just recently passed away at 107 years old. One of the things that uh, she told me uh, that I found fascinating that is not in this interview is that she didn't have any wrinkles on her face. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and one of the reasons that uh, her aunt thought that happened was because she takes a shot of extra virgin olive oil every day. Ah, and the Cretan oils. Yeah, and she's done it for her entire life. And we will have more about the olive oil in the next episode. But let's start the interview with Dr. Morris. Great. Welcome to the show, Dr. Morris, our very first podcast on Mediterranean living, and uh, thank you very much for, for coming on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, w the reason that I wanted to have an interview with you was because um, you just have a very strong history with the, with the island of Crete. Uh, which has been known to be one of the healthiest places in the world with the highest longevity rates and men living to be the same age as the women. And I know that you went there to do some research, and I wanted you to talk about the research and specifically about your aunt and the interview you did with her. Absolutely. So I kind of found out about the wonderful health of the people of Crete by accident. You know, I was growing up in an environment uh, being um, a child of my mother is directly from Crete. She grew up in Kanyan, came here when she was um, in her 20s to get married to my dad, who is born in the U.S., but his parents are from Crete. So it was accidental that I got into all this research and understood more about the traditional diet of Crete. Um, it started while I was doing a Ph.D. program through the University of Lancaster. So I had to choose a thesis, and I wanted to focus on diet and nutrition, in particular on ethnographic study 
of the medicinal plants and medicinal diets of Crete. And even though I'm a naturopathic physician and, you know, you know, have been some information on diet and clinical nutrition, I really didn't realize up until that point how important the traditional diet of Crete was until I started delving into the research. So that's when I discovered Dr. Ansel Key's study, which has been a landmark study in creating all of this um, uh, volcanic eruption of information that is so positive on how the Mediterranean diet reduces risks of heart disease, diabetes, stroke, um, and helps with depression, helps with longevity. Um, but it wasn't until I saw how the men of Crete in his cohort um, from his study in the 1950s uh, had half the overall mortality rate compared to other cohorts in the Mediterranean that I really realized that Crete in particular, there was something very special about how the diet and lifestyle is in Crete. And so that um, helped me to vacation there as much as possible and try to understand more about the diet, more about the lifestyle, and also um, understand more about how my family and the people who have longevity in my family, like what are they doing? What are they eating? And one of the interviews I did um, was on my great aunt, Argiro, who is in Crete, and she passed away at the age of 107, God bless her soul, um, and uh, was generally healthy, wasn't on a lot of medications. Actually, I don't think she was on any medications. Um, and she was one of the uh, case studies that I looked at, but I interviewed many people in Crete as part of that ethnographic study. She died at 107 years old, and you interviewed her when she was 104, is that correct? That's correct, and, absolutely. And, and she looked wonderful. She was singing songs. She, you know, she had a lot of energy. I mean, I, I interviewed her bedside because she had she uh, fractured her hip and was bedridden. But um, and she was, you know, living in her son's house, so she had family and community around her. Um, she loved to li listen to the liturgies, but she was very sharp um, up until, you know she passed away and would actually lie about her age, you know, so she would say she's only 100, but she was actually 104 at the time. Um, and uh, she, she was great at relaying the type of diet that she had growing up, again, which is similar to the other interviewees. So what would your aunt's, uh, like, what would be a typical day of eating for your aunt? Well, we have to keep in mind, in a traditional diet of Crete, most people in Crete are and were uh, Greek Orthodox. And in the Greek Orthodox religion, it's a Christian religion, that um, there are approximately 180 days of fasting in a traditional, um, in that traditional culture. So um, during fasting time, so 180 days out of the year, approximately, they were vegans. So they weren't eating meat, they weren't eating dairy, and on some days they weren't even eating oil. So um, I think it's important to keep that in mind, um, and there's a seasonality to the diet as well that we must respect, and, and is really important for most healthy diets. You know, even the Okinawan diet, you know, uh, following the seasons is important. But a typical day would look like, let's say, if it wasn't a fasting day, um, would be for breakfast uh, uh, some bread that was like a hard bread. You can have a paximadi, it's called, which is like um, bread that has been um, baked 
or toasted in a way that it's it's more like a Melba toast. It's a little harder toast, and it it stays longer. And it wasn't made from white bread. This was like a whole grain bread. This was unrefined, um, you know, wheat in general. And um, you might have that with some local cheese. Now, when we talk about cheese again, animal animal protein, you know, whether it's meat or dairy, is is such an important thing in a you know to have to do well in a healthy diet. And so when we're looking at, when I say cheese, um, in the U.S., we know that cheese has to be pasteurized. It, it has certain regulations. In Crete and in Greece, you don't have to pasteurize your milk. So most of the cheese there that you're getting from the local farmer, it's that fresh sheep or goat's milk. So, it's, you know, the cows were not, aren't, were not free-ranging. If you go to Crete, you see the goats and the sheeps free-ranging. You really don't see the cows because um, there's not many of them there. And so it's made from goat or sheep's milk, and then it's, um, it's done locally. So you have people, um, the Gruyere cheese or the Graviera is a wonderful, it's a very heavy, um, you know, I'm sure high-saturated fat kind of cheese. But if you're walking five miles a day which is common and was common by my you know my aunt said she would walk five miles to the next village to bring them some eggs or some some chicken you know from their farm that that you know you need some of that heavier um caloric nutrient dense food so you know paximavi which is the bread and some cheese maybe some olives for breakfast and um you can have some tea whether it's like um uh, you might have um, some local Cretan tea or malotira or uh, chamomile. You can you might have some tea with breakfast if you if you were you know younger um, or some local milk you know which is the um, generally unpasteurized sheep or goat's based milk and and they might warm it up a little bit before they serve it so they kind of do their own pasteurization on the spot and add a little salt to it um, or a little sugar for for the kids um, and then you know after that you know let's say she was going to school or, or going to work um, typically you come back and have a, a the largest meal of the day was in the afternoon and this again you know my mom would say how like you know let's say Wednesday was uh, macaroni day and Friday was fish day and the rest of the time except for let's say Sunday there were beans was the main part legumes were the main part of the meal and snacks were nuts and seeds and fruit and a lot of times those nuts those seeds those fruit were not um, nuts and seeds or fruit that they had necessarily from the supermarket, it was as they're, they're picking it up from the village, as they're walking around, there's an orange tree, you know, you just have to be careful that, you know, your neighbor's not going to get too mad if you pick from his orange tree or, you know, or the chestnut tree. So um, the beans, um, nuts, seeds, um, a typical lunch might look like uh, horta, you know, the, the vlita, which are the, the wild amaranth with olive oil, lemon juice, kolokithi, which is like a zucchini, and some of the beans, some beans with that. So that, and, and maybe French fries. And French fries, you know, we don't think of French fries as a health food. And, and the way they're prepared 
in the U.S. They're not, you know, because it has to do with the oil you're using. Um, there have been sh studies that show that if you're going to fry, which is not the healthiest way to do things, because it can increase um, what's called advanced glycation end products or oxidation of the food. But if you're going to fry something, especially French fries, um, then you want to fry it in as good a quality of olive oil as you can get because it's going to help to retain the antioxidant content of it. So um, French fries in olive oil, or you would have something like rice with that meal. Um, and uh, you might have some more olives or a little bit more of the local whole grain bread with that. And dinner was generally a smaller meal. Uh, you know, the biggest meal of the day was lunch. Um, and like I said, there's usually the wild greens are, are typically a part of that, no matter what else is coming. Um, you might have fish for lunch as well, like a local fish. Or once a week, you would have that free-range chicken or that free-range um, lamb on holidays. You know, that was once a month. Um, or if there was a festival of one of the churches, a panayiri. Um, but in, in general, it was mainly legumes, um, fish, uh, and a lot of vegetables, local vegetables, uh, Greek salad. So everyone knows about the Greek salad. So that's where you have, um, so let's say dinner might be like, you know, the feta cheese with um, some, uh, some lettuce, some local lettuce, um, and um, tomatoes, cucumbers, onions, and olives. That's a typical, and oregano on top, and olive oil, of course. So uh, that might be a typical lunch or dinner as well. And then uh, they're pretty famous for drinking wine and, and uh, the moonshine. I'll oh, talk yes. a little bit about that. <laughs> and at one point I was thinking I wanted to, to really focus on the moonshine, but I figured that would be a little too difficult to do. So, um, but definitely, you know, you know, and alcohol is something, if you don't drink alcohol, if you're sensitive to it or if you've had a problem with it, you don't want to include this as, as part of your traditional Mediterranean diet. You can really modify. But if you're not sensitive to alcohol, um, you know, what studies have shown is that mild to moderate consumption of alcohol as part of a traditional Mediterranean diet reduces your risk of heart disease. It actually can also help reduce um, risk of diabetes, which is something that, you know, I think is not very intuitive because there are sugars in alcohol. Um, you need sugar to produce alcohol. But um, mild to moderate consumption, I'm talking, you know, for women at most one drink a day, for men at most two. And so you, a drink is like a gallon of beer? or Nah, we're, we're talking more <laughs> like a, a, a glass. And uh, so one, one small glass a day of, of wine. And typically, you know, again, at the time where I interviewed my aunt, it, you, people were making their wine locally, so you you didn't go to the you know wine and beer place and pick it up. It was this was you know sustainable agriculture was alive and well post World War II, pretty much worldwide, but definitely in Crete. Um, and so you would make a local wine from the grapes, and then the moonshine, the raki, was made after you make your wine with those 
grapes, then you can um, further process what's called the must or the musto from the grapes and make the moonshine from it, the raki. And um, it's a steam distillation process that's still done today. And if you go to Crete and you sit down for lunch, you might be surprised that at the end of your meal, there's going to be a little tiny shot glass with a clear liquid in it. And that's going to be raki because they also use it as a digestive aid. So, you know, a child, uh, pretty much of any age, you know, they, maybe two, starting at two or three, they might use it as a massage even. The, mm -hmm. uh, so they were using it for folk medicine purposes, at, for um, massage uh also to do um, ventuses or cupping um, as part of the folk medicine, but it was used also to help as a digestive aid at the end of the meal. Now, moderation is key. So we know that there is a, you know, U-shaped curve. If you have a little bit, you know, of alcohol, it's good for you. If you have too much, you definitely are throwing the balance off, and that's when you have increased risk of disease. But in moderation especially local, um, you know, high antioxidant, high resveratrol, like red wines, or even a little bit of the moonshine, you know, um, as a digestive aid, you know, was a part of this traditional diet of Cree and still is. And the people like my aunt living to be 107 and, you know, um, a lot of the people I interviewed, that was a part of their diet. All right. Well, let's leave it there for today. And uh, I found that fascinating, especially the part about um, that the people in the Mediterranean are vegan 180 yeah. days of the year. That was an eye opener for me. Yeah, definitely. So it definitely shows you that you know a main main part of their diet is is uh, beans and legumes, and actually uh, the number one protein in America is meat and chicken. And yeah. the number one protein in the Mediterranean are beans. There's a lot of beans out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also the idea of folk medicine and the fact that they still do a lot of things with herbs and they, they heal people still that way. And we're going to uh, ask some questions to Artemis another time about that. But next time. How about time, giving babies like? moonshine at age two and three <laughs> yeah now we're talking that's some folk medicine right there yeah <laughs> um i liked a bit about eating off the trees and just getting your nuts and seeds off the trees as you're walking through the village it's like yeah. whoa that is just idyllic that happened uh, last time that christine my wife and i were in crete and uh this farmer was giving us a tour and first he we asked him uh, this isn't a restaurant we asked him uh, for some tea, and he, instead of going into the kitchen to make the tea, he went out and picked the tea for nice. us. And he also brought us around, and he was uh, picking walnuts from the tree and cracking them in his hand and giving us uh, the fresh walnut oh, meat, that which was awesome. delicious. And that, I, I think that's one thing that I just wanted to say about the whole Mediterranean diet is that if you were brought up like me on, uh, you know, vegetables that were frozen and cooked to a mush and yeah. used uh, tub butter to, <laughs> on top of that. Like my mom used to put that on, on, on top afterwards. She'd cook the frozen broccoli for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> if you were brought up that way and you think you don't like vegetables, you really need to try 
uh, vegetables cooked the Cretan way or the Mediterranean way because there's a lot of olive oil in it, fresh herbs, and so many people that I've cooked Mediterranean for, people that think they hate vegetables, especially men. Totally. And, and same with salads. If you, you know, if you have like a typical American salad, you don't really have a, you, ha- you haven't really had a real salad until you try the, like a real traditional Greek salad, not the kind you get in the, in the restaurants here. So true. But next time we're going uh, to be talking with Dr. Morris about uh, olive oil. And how to cook those French fries. How to cook the French fries. (laughs) And that's how we're going to begin. And uh, she's going to talk about some of the myths about olive oil, how to choose olive oil. And uh, so that'll be next time. If you are interested in uh, the study that she talked about with Dr. Ansel Keys, we'll put a link um, to today's show notes. On on, MediterraneanLiving.com. On MediterraneanLiving.com. All right. Well, this is Bill Bradley and Jerry saying goodbye. All right. See you later.